podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast. I'm James Gordon and joined by Josh McAllister. Um, I had a week off last week, Josh, but I'm back and we're back on the disciplinary chatter. I suppose the two big talking points in rugby league this week, um, the departure of Richard Agar as Leeds coach and then a 10-match ban for Huddersfield star Will Price. Um, we'll start with Price, get that out of the way first, Josh. Um what do you, what do you what did you think of the tackle and then of of the ban? Yeah, the tackle's an awful one, isn't it? I think it's the pressure he comes down with. There was so much debate on social media yesterday, but it's the pressure he comes down on Connor Winwith. And then when you read in the report that he's done it before an academy game, so it's not as if that's that's why his ban has been so big, ten match ban because he's done it before. He knows exactly what he's done because he's done it before. It's a large chunk of the season, a, th- a third of the season he's going to miss. Um, and you know that might. I've seen. I think it was Richie Mathers say that that that's that could be the final straw of him going to the NRL now. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, there was a lot of what aboutery going on. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly, I think, I think if Price was going to go to the NRL, he'd go to the NRL whether he was banned for ten games or not. I mean, he's not going to be signing for an NRL club in the next ten games. So you know, and and I think it's very short sighted to think that. You know, players get banned in the NRL just the same. It's just that sure you know, kind of tackle as well. yeah, you, you know, you're just probably not as aware of it. Um, yeah, I mean, ten games sounds a lot, doesn't it? And I suppose in the context of this season, you know, it would always have been a massive talking point. Um, you know, I don't, the way that the disciplinary runs, it's very hard to compare like for like, isn't it? Because you know. Player X might have had a history of doing stuff. Player Y might not. Um, but then for different offence, you know, like I've seen people saying about the racism bans and you know stuff like that, completely different situations. Um, the tackle, the tackle itself. What about Mitch Pierce's one? Because yeah, that's I, I've seen. I mean, that 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 looked like a. I did. He did flip him, didn't he? And yeah, he, he did flip him. And he did land him on an orc, and on his neck, yeah, wasn't it? And he's got two back. matches and. Uh, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not saying Will Price should have had less because of that, but I'm, I may be thinking, well, Mitchell Pierce Mitch Pierce should have had more. Um, you know, and I'm not, you know, I don't necessarily think I'm not advocating giving out large bands. Um, but that was interesting. I suppose the I, I seen a couple of I, I suppose the key is that they're trying to stop this thing happening, and the idea is is that if you're banning players for a long time, it's going to stop it happening. That's the theory. I suppose you could say, well, if Price was banned for, say, five games or six games, would he have still got the same message as he has for ten? And I suppose you could make an argument to say, well, maybe he would have. Um, you know, I still think things are happening in the heat at the moment anyway. Um, but it's a shame for, obviously, it's a shame for Huddersfield. It's a shame for Will Price, because obviously he's been built up this season as, like, a, a big prospect. I suppose you could look at it as a, 
uh, you know, in a positive, he'll he'll come back fresh for Huddersfield for the business end of the season. It looks like Huddersfield might be involved in the business end of the season. I know they lost last week, but um, if they can keep together, then they might well be involved in the business end of the season. And even you know, thinking about the World Cup, you know, I'm not saying that he'll be selected necessarily, but if he was an outside bet and he was coming in at fresh and top form, then um, then then maybe. Um, the other big news of of the the week then was the departure of Richard Agar, who, who stepped down. You've done a few of the presses this week. What are your thoughts on? Yeah, Drew was on the one on Monday. Uh, gave our thoughts on the Facebook live early this week. Um, the players just didn't seem to be responding to Richard Agar, did they? They didn't seem to respond on the pitch for whatever reasons. Obviously, they've got the talent there. We we mentioned that Blake Austin, Aiden Caesar, not really not clicked. They've not sort of led the side forward. Despite I think they played, I think Drew said they played three seasons together at Canberra, maybe two. The players just haven't clicked. So you'd like to think, as a fan, you're going to get some sort of response now. I don't know if they just they just weren't happy under Richard Agar, but now they'll have Jamie Jones Buchanan as the uh, interim head coach. They're in the Challenge Cup against Castleford this Saturday, so they'll be hoping for a real positive response and Richard Agar is going to be still involved in Leeds in head of rugby it looks like yeah I mean Leeds are pretty they were pretty ordinary against Salford I think you know I I think I think a lot of people probably looked at their squad on paper before the start of the season and thought you know they might do I think I tipped them pretty yeah, well yeah they know. might do well you know they've got they seem to have had they seem to have made some good signings and they've obviously got a good you know clutch youngsters coming through but for whatever reason they've they've not made it work they, they have been in a little bit of links don't forget Agar took the job and he wasn't a permanent you know he, he, he at the time it was almost like he didn't want the job he just sort of ended up he'd think he ended up doing 70 odd games um, so it, you do feel like it's an interest it'll be interesting to see what Leeds do next I mean I always think it's strange that you know the Kevin Sinfield situation feels strange to me because it's like he was you know, he was in the director of rugby role, whatever it was, and then he left because he wanted to be more of a coach. You know, he wanted to do the coaching yeah. side, which is obviously what he's doing with Leicester Tigers Rugby Union. So it's like, well, at what point has there been a breakdown at Leeds where they've not thought, well, why don't we make Simfield the head coach? Um, and you know, he doesn't even appear to be in any of the in any of the mentions for the for the running for the job. So, um, big odds. Yeah, I mean, Danny Ward, they're talking about, who's obviously not had a job since leaving London. I think he's doing some rugby union. Ryan Carr, who's at Featherstone, is a bit of a... He, he seems to have been back down now to being quite a heavy favourite. He has done a bit of work as Leeds uh, as assistant when he was at Featherstone. Um, I do wonder whether that would be an underwhelming appointment for Leeds fans, perhaps. Possibly. Then the big one uh, being Danny Maguire, full care assistant coach. It's a big step up from... Wilkair assistant coach to probably the coach of probably the biggest club in England in, in Leeds it's a big step up but I think that that might be one that's sort of a long term project that might maybe excite the fans possibly yeah I mean it's an interesting one with Leeds isn't it because there's a lot of former players kicking around and you know it, obviously I get that there's a reason there's a reason why they have those players around is because they want to replicate what those players did but it is you know it almost feels you know, it must be hard when you're looking at you've got these acts to follow from from the past, and um, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see which way they go. Um, they've obviously got the Challenge Cup this week. It doesn't sound like they're going to rush it, but then at the same time, you don't want to leave it too long because 
we're already what six games in. They've lost five out of six. You know, you do, yeah, you don't want to waste a season where they they want to get in the playoffs. You know, and if they don't get if they don't get up to speed quickly, then that might become become a tough ask. And you know, they already had them a couple of years, didn't they? You know, when they were in the middle eights and stuff like that. And for a club the size of Leeds, that should never really be a consideration. You know, you look at. You know, I know, I know, Wigan. You know, look at Saints and Wigan are always up there near the top, aren't they? They're, you know, Saint Lens would never have even dreamed of playing in the in the middle eights. Yeah, and even with Wigan, they had a bad couple of seasons. They still made grand final a couple of seasons ago. Last season was a bad season. They didn't do too bad. They left, lifted the league leader shield under Adrian Lamb. So their unsuccessful seasons were still quite successful compared to. And I think that's. Leeds. And I think that's what. I think that's what Leeds have got to be careful. They don't want it to become realistically. If you're not finishing in, in if you're at Leeds and you're not finishing the top six, you should be thinking you're a failure. You know, you that should and that should be the mentality that they that they have. Um, and I think they, that's why they don't want to leave it too long. Uh, I mean, speaking of Agar, always a nice bloke to speak to Richard Agar. You know, enjoy speaking to him, enjoy interviewing him. He, you know, and and like I say, he didn't. It was almost like he didn't want the job. But I I think and I know some people have have maybe criticised him, but. I do think they're in a better place now than before he was the coach. It feels like they've got a decent squad. They just need, obviously, they need a new coach or a new direction to come in and, and maybe lead them around. You know, an interesting one as well, they brought Sean Long in, and you'd have, you'd have expected Sean Long to have had an impact on the two halves that they've got, given his experience. And I know you said, like, you know, look at what Lee Brears has done at Wigan. Like, Sean Long, perhaps, maybe is this is. Uh, depending on who they bring in I guess we'll, we'll work with Sean Long but it's interesting that the Braves thing at Wigan's work but maybe the longer Leeds hasn't quite got off to the start that they would have liked yeah and he's got the talent to work with there hasn't he in, in Austin and Caesars so he, he can't blame the players yeah it is an interesting one though uh, just a quick run through then uh, of the results from last week Wigan beat Castleford Catlin beat Ulkar we mentioned Salford beat Leeds Wakefield a bit of a surprise win away at Warrington uh, live on Channel 4 some nice tries they scored um, Toulouse got their first win of the season over St Helens and then um, we mentioned earlier Hull beat Huddersfield it was a bad week for me and Drew tipping from last week it was week. a bad week for everyone I think <laughs> well it was a bad week for everyone in the media tipping league I don't think any, it all started really well because I got an exact. I got a spot on tip I tipped Wigan by 10 against Cass that came in and then I don't think I got any of the others yeah, I might have got the Catalan one Um an interesting point on Toulouse then. So Toulouse got the win. Obviously, they lost to Wigan by a point a few weeks ago. A big win over... Uh, a historic first win for them over St. Helens. Um, and I did a piece over the weekend that St. Helens seems to have this habit of losing to the newly promoted teams. And it's happened on 50% of occasions in the 22 times there's been a new team in the comp. My only concern, and my only concern for Toulouse is, or my only thoughts around it is, you've got to try and win the right games. And I know you get two points for a win, but if you think Toulouse the previous week lost to Wake, and I'm not saying you know, obviously you can't pick and choose which games you win and which games you lose, but I think the previous week they lost to Wakefield, clearly beating Wakefield would have been much more valuable than beating Saint Helens. Because ultimately, if you beat Wakefield, you're stopping Wakefield getting two points. Yeah, that old cliche of four points. Yeah, and I, and I think that, and I think if you look at if you look around in Super League, and if you look at Wakefield, what Wakefield and Salford have done, you know, both of those teams have had really good seasons. Um, but 
in the past, but in the in the years where they've struggled, they've always stayed up by beating the teams around them. And obviously, both wait for themselves to beat to lose this season. So it'd be really interesting if they can try and they've got a massive game coming up to lose against Castleford, um, and that is, I know it's early in the season, but that's a big four pointer for both both teams really. Um, I suppose another interesting point about that is Toulouse, of course, have this week off this week, whereas Casper have got to play Leeds in the Challenge Cup. I'm, su- I'm surprised that's it. Not, it's, I've not really seen it. I don't know if you have, but I've not really seen no, it mentioned not, in many places. An extra week for them. Yeah, to lose out in the Challenge Cup. So they've got a week off here. So they've got an extra week rest time. And, you know, we, you know, we hear it all. I mean, whether you believe the theory or not, you hear it all the time, don't you? Oh, you know, short turnarounds, all this from the coaches. Well, if we're saying to lose are benefiting from this extra week off, well... That leads up to that Castleford game quite nicely. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to provide Lee Radford with some excuses in case they do lose. But I mean, in th- I would not be surprised if that is referred to next week and the week after. Um, I know, of course, again, if you win, Toulouse will have another week off further down the line for the next round of the Challenge Cup. You know, so I haven't checked who they're playing around those dates, but it might become a bit of an advantage I know it's only going to impact maybe two or three rounds but it might become an advantage for Toulouse if they can get wins off the back of these weeks off I think their biggest thing as well this year which Catalans have had in the past but they've improved on it over time is their home advantage looks to be that maybe they won't win an away game or many away games but if they can if they can win 60 50-60% of their home games they'll be they'll be they might be you know not set for relegation there if they can concentrate on their home games and making it a difficult place to travel to which Wigan have shown it's a difficult place to travel to and St. Helens and St. Helens didn't exactly either side exactly had weaker teams out they had a couple missing through injuries and Tommy Luluai was rested for Wigan but it's not exactly like they put a load of youngsters out yeah you would have still expected those Wigan and Saints yeah. teams to have done better than they than they did well you know you, that, you, I, what I mean is they this competitive team they put out um, but yeah, you're at I mean, They've had four home games now, haven't they? To lose, so I suppose they've played four out of their six have been at home. Um, I would imagine they're gonna have to win some away, but that's what I mean. They're gonna be far if they can win away at Castleford, for instance. That is a that would be a massive boost, just like winning at Wakefield would have been a massive boost. Um, speaking of Wakefield, to be fair, brilliant win for them at, at, at Warrington. You know, so they've got back to back wins. Um, and, you know, if Toulouse can get... We were maybe worried that Toulouse was going to get cut away. But if Toulouse can keep up with Casford, Wakefield, Leeds even down yeah. there, you know, Salford, whether Hulk... I mean, I don't think Hulk are going to be down there, but if they are... If if Toulouse can keep up within touching distance of a team, we might be looking at a season in 20, like in 2019 where there was four or five teams really wrestling around the bottom for, for a large part of the season. That's the excitement that, that we want. Um... Championship last week, um, Bradford. There was wins for Bradford. Newcastle got a narrow win at Dewsbury. Sheffield won as well. York and Lee, but there were two draws. Josh, first two draws of the season. They don't have golden point in Championship. Barrow drew with London Broncos. London Broncos first point of the season, and then Batley drew with Featherstone, which to be fair is a a massive result for Batley. That's a great result for yeah. them. Yeah, and Lee will be watching that one and be pretty happy because they obviously went and won their Monday game. So I think there's just one point separates the two sides, Featherstone and Lee at the top. Yeah, yeah, Lee point behind. Feverson obviously still unbeaten. Um, so, yeah, all to play for. No championship this week because it's Challenge Cup. Challenge Cup games then. Wigan Salford's Friday night, Premier Sports, Josh. Yep. Yeah. Sheffield Hull, which is being played at Featherstone. 
Um, because Sheffield's ground, new stadium isn't ready. I mean, actually, let's mention Sheffield while we're talking about them. They're quietly doing really well in the Championship. They've won, I think they've won three out of five, but they've played all the games away. So if they can, you know, you talk about Toulouse at home, if Sheffield can find a way of winning their own games, they're going to have a lot of home games um, later in the season and they could be a bit of a dark horse for the for the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think I might have to have an early apology because I think I tipped them bottom two. So here's my early apology. Well, it's early, do- it's early doors, Josh. Anything can happen. Whitehaven St. Helens is, um, is another Challenge Cup game. That's on Saturday. That is on the Sportsman, Josh. I think that's right, yeah. Ulkar versus Lee. Catalan versus Featherstone and Lee versus Casford, which is live on BBC. Then on the Sunday, Warrington Wakefield's live on Premier Sports and Barrow against Huddersfield is on BBC. So, five championship teams in it. Have any of them got a chance of causing upset? Is there five? Yeah, there is five. Have we missed one? No, that's five, isn't it? Barrow, Featherstone, Lee, Whitehaven, Sheffield, yeah. Any, have any of them got a chance of an upset? Um, Lee might fancy the chances. I'm surprised that one's not been picked up for. Did Lee beat Hull KR a in, couple of seasons uh, yeah, ago, I think, possibly, in the cup? Yeah. I, I'm surprised that's not been picked up because I think that's just that just screams an entertaining game. A high-scoring mm. high game, probably. Barrow have uh, been pretty solid at home. Huddersfield might be in for a bit of a shock there. Depends what the weather's like. I mean... Barrow have played in some pretty horrific conditions so far, but it looks like the sun's going to be shining, or it has been anyway so far. Um, Feather, I mean, did a piece. Of, I did a piece today. Featherstone, Featherstone actually played Catalan in the Challenge Cup in twenty fifteen, and it was there was only three points in it. Um, and you know, I mean, probably both teams are probably better now than they were then. Um, Featherstone will go there with nothing to lose. I don't expect them to upset Catalan, but you know you never know. Like I say, Barrow is an interesting one because I think when Barrow got Huddersfield, I think you know they would have maybe have liked to have had a Saints or a Wigan at home. I suppose you know with all due respect to Huddersfield, Huddersfield is probably one of the worst draws you could get because they're a good team. So you're probably not gonna you probably not really got much of a chance of a win. But then at the same time, they're not gonna bring maybe as many fans as say a Saints lead or or a Wigan would have done. Um, but it'd be an interesting match, and it? it'd be a, it'd be a good occasion for Barrow. I'm sure they'll pack it out there. Um, there's all, in fact, I lied before, Josh. There is one championship game this weekend: Workington against Halifax, oh, which was postponed really earlier in the season. Um, but also, it's the start of the League One season, which had me thinking: Did they think that no League One clubs would make it this far in the Challenge Cup, and then they would already have to rearrange round one? Was that the thinking? Well, I, I guess yeah. so, Josh. Um, I mean, obviously, North Wales Crusaders went yeah went close. Went close. Um, I mean, to be honest, I was half thinking with all these weeks off that everyone's having, I, I, I'd be tempted to arrange league games, and then if you're in the cup, postpone it. Because if you look at some of the teams now, if you lost in the Challenge Cup in the first round, you've basically played you played your cup game at the end of Feb, then you've played two league games in March because you had one league game week off for the cup, but you didn't have a game another league game and then another week off because you didn't have a game in the cup and then you'll play again next week and then you'll have a week off again the following week for the cup so you start the season with six weeks of games but then for the next two months you're only playing every other week and I I, I think maybe they'd be better organising it where if they created a list of fixtures and then okay yeah okay if you've made it through in the cup we have to postpone that league fixture but then have a couple of free weekends maybe later in the year where it can be a bit more you know, and, and that's them. You know, let's say there was a free weekend in August or whatever, where you said any postponed games or from earlier in the season can be rearranged. Is that, is that what they do in non-league football? 
Um, yeah, largely. I mean, obviously they keep they keep a free they keep rounds free early doors where they know the majority of teams are still going to be in it. But it's like this weekend. There's no championship. There's only five championship teams. So there's nine championship teams this weekend who aren't playing. Well, it's like they could have had they four games played, on. Yeah. They could have played. So I think I think that needs work. Because I just think, especially with the Monday night games as well. Um, you know, obviously I look at it from a witness perspective as I, you know as I often do. Witness obviously playing a lot of Monday night games. In the first ten weeks of the season, Witness will play eight games because obviously they lost in the cup. But they've only played two home games. So in the first ten weeks of the season, they've played two home games. Then they've had of them of the eight games they've played, four of them will be being on Monday nights. So it's like, well, how are the clubs going to build any momentum for getting fans in and engagement when it's so so varied? So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. But anyway, yeah, League One: Doncaster Midlands Hurricanes. So Midlands' first game is rebranded. Oldham versus Keithley, Rochdale versus North Wales, Swinton against West Wales, and then London Scholars against Hunslet is either on Saturday or the Friday night. I can't remember now, but um, Cornwall don't play this week. Their first game is next weekend because obviously there's an odd number of teams, Josh. So someone has to have a week off every week. Every week, yeah, which might come around if you play that team the week after that's had a week off. And hey, there's your excuses, isn't it? Well, not excuse, but... Well, maybe. maybe. That's, that's I mean, I mean, you, you know, it especially just, part time gives you that extra week to recover. Yeah, it just depends on whether you. Um, yeah, I mean, it just depends whether you buy into that excuse. Coming up, we got the good, bad, and the ugly very shortly. But we've also got an interview with Mitch Garbutt. George Riley's caught up with him. Um, the Toulouse forward. He speaks to George about their first win against St Helens at the weekend. Here's the good, the bad, and the ugly from the past week. So the good Josh this week, are we going to lose his win? It's got to be, hasn't it? Historic first win in Super League. Historic champions. Yeah. Um, um, so the only the only downfall is the shame was on TV. Very yeah, very good point, Mark. Mark on with a good good try, nice pass for the try that, that won the game. Yeah, it is a good point. It is a shame it wasn't on TV. Um, I seen there was a bit of criticism on Twitter actually about the Super League show, but they were saying that there's only one cam, you know, only yeah, because yeah. it's not on TV. There's only, so there's only one fixed camera, and there's only so much they can do. And yeah, it is a massive shame that you know it all comes down to the high, you know, the the forever hypothetical broadcast deals that get bandied about. You know, we've got two French teams now, but we still can't get a broadcast deal. Um, Catalan have obviously paid for a few of their games to go on, but you know it must be fairly expensive to do that, and it is a shame that. Um, someone in French TV land can't pull the finger out and show it, but um, I'm sure it won't matter too much to the. Oh, it certainly won't matter to the players. They got that win. Yep. The bad this week, Josh. Um, we were struggling for the bad. Um, we've gone with London Broncos have uh, picked up their first draw, their first point out of the of the uh, season, but they've been copping for a bit of stick from a few fans on on Twitter because. They've not actually updated their Twitter since they uh, posted the team news. So they posted the team news prior to the game. And that was the last tweet that they sent. Now, they've retweeted the highlights, obviously 18 all against Barrow. Um, but I had a look. They've not posted on Facebook since March the 8th either. And, you know, it's a strange one because London Broncos moved to AFC Wimbledon. It's a great ground, great potential. Fan-owned club is AFC Wimbledon, so they could learn an awful lot about being there. Um, and for whatever reason, they... Uh, you know, for whatever reason, things just are a bit amiss there. The ugly, there was only one contender for the ugly, Josh. There was. Will Price, 
10 match ban. Um, Tackle was very ugly. 10 weeks off. To be fair to Will Price, I, li- I like the piece that Dave Craven did with him in the mirror. I thought Price spoke pretty maturely about, about it and didn't quite agree with him saying it was a freak accident. But I think for him to come out um, and talk, you know, good piece by Dave Craven and um, for him to say what he did was fine. Must be interesting, eh? When you're a player, right? And he knows now he's banned for 10 weeks. But he's still probably got to go in, hasn't he? Yeah. Every day. And train every day. He's got to train every day. He's got to sit through the video. He might get a holiday booked. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, that's what I mean. And Because he's got to keep it. He's got to keep sharp, hasn't he? He's got to keep fit. Um, so. So that must be a bit bit frustrating. You're right. Yeah. So that, that's this week's good, bad and the ugly anyway. Um, we'll move on now then. So George Riley sat down with Toulouse's Mitch Garbutt to discuss their first historic win over St. Helens. And they talk about a few things, whether they... Well, of course he believes Toulouse can stay up in Super League, but they also talk about who he thinks should be the next Leeds coach. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Welcome to the big interview with a look at life and league. One of the sport's biggest names. This week's guest is a man enjoying life in the south of France and tasting victory for the first time at Toulouse Olympique, their front row forward, uh, Mitch Garber. Great to see you. How are you? Good, mate. How are you doing? All right? Really well. What a victory for you. What kind of weekend are you coming out of? Yeah, um, it was obviously a fantastic victory for us as a team. Uh, you know, the coach uh, did an interview and he said, and someone asked him, you know, you probably expected that. And he said, no, I definitely didn't. Uh, so it's come as a uh, come as a surprise to to uh, to the boys. Uh, I think we were building we were building for that. We've had a, a few weeks where we've been shown in in patches that we we can be a good side and we hold on to the ball and we, we don't give away silly penalties and, and we completed a good a good uh, rate there. Um, but no, I was just happy for the, the players that have been here for a long time um, to get their first win in Super League for for the French boys that have been here for so long and the coach especially. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good to be a part of, and I was just really happy for them. One of those players actually was the lad who scored the winning try in, in Paul Macon. Um, very likable French guy. Had desperate luck with injury, really serious injury in in your promotion season. It was it was great to see him getting that getting that moment in the spotlight to celebrate in the corner. Yeah, uh, Paul, uh, I call Paul my favourite Frenchman. He's a fantastic guy. Um, uh, absolutely one of the, a champion guy uh, and I've been teaching him a few Australian French swear words and stuff like that trying to get him get him up to my level of swearing and he, it's coming along well for him so I'm proud of him there as well um, he's um, you know he got injured in that in a trial against Catalans at the start of our uh, 2021 season um, a bad injury ACL I think everything else went as well when he, when he did it so he had a lot of lonely, lonely times in the rehab there, and especially when you're in a successful season, you're seeing everyone playing well and enjoying enjoying victories, and you're just there as a bit of a support staff there. But he's got his reward after that. I'm uh, really happy that he's he's come back into the side. I hadn't didn't know much about Paulo until you know I started playing with him this this season, um, and just really happy for him, mate. It's um, it's a lonely place to rehab. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great, great result for him, and and well, well deserved. It's traditionally incredibly difficult, isn't it, for the promoted teams to come up and and stay up? And I think already most people were writing to lose off 
like where's the win going to come from so so what do you hope this will give you the fact that not only have you got the win out of the way you've done it against the best team around yeah i think it gives us gives us a bit of confidence um we're, we're a pretty confident side anyway you know you don't have the same down from, from from his job and you know the rhinos are in another hole it seems they've had a really tough start to the season i was at the salford game on uh last week on friday night and the way they well in rich Richard's words capitulated was was shocking, really. Um, I know you've not been watching, you've been in your bubble, you've not been watching a lot, but yeah. you know, what's your take on the fact that Leeds, pretty much actually since that difficult season where you left, they've just never really been able to pick back up again? Uh, look, it's it was a hard job for whoever came in after Brian McDermott. It was always going to be a tough ask for whoever came in. You know, they had David Ferner. Dave Ferner wanted to put his stamp on the side. Um, you know, that scene, seeing me and me leave and, you know, obviously you, you don't have the blokes like Danny Maguire there who, who know how to, to play games when it's tight. But I think people also have to remember in 2016, every, all the fans wanted everyone's contracts ripped up because we apparently were the worst Leeds Rhinos team ever to place a pair of boots, you know, and the next year we won the grand final. You know, so it's a very fickle, you know, rugby league such a fickle, fickle sport because... You can do the same thing every single week. You can train train your backside off, do everything right, and gets to game day. And as soon as one thing goes wrong in a game, depending on who you've got in your side in the big positions, like your halves and fullbacks and hookers, it, the whole thing can go from you. You know, it's it's it is very easy to be 15, 15 minutes into a game of rugby league and be 18 points down and think, how am I getting back from this? I've been involved in it on both sides where I've gone into a, in a game and, and, you know, we might start slow, but you've got someone pulling the strings who knows how to get yourself back in the game. I think Leeds are maybe, maybe lacking a little bit there. I think if you look if you look at the side two years ago, if you told Leeds fans they were going to have Aiden Caesar, Blake Austin, Zane Tedavano, Matt Pryor, and Bodine Thompson, blokes like that, they would have ripped your hands off and went, thank you very much, we'll take that. So I think... You've got, to, you've got to give them time. You've got to give your halfbacks time. You've got to give Caesar and Austin time. Hopefully it turns for them. Not against us, hopefully. Hopefully they they turn against someone else. But um, it's a tough it's a tough club to be at, Leeds, when, it, when it, you know, they're not going well. It's almost like it's, it's an impossible job. The head coach job, it's an impossible job because of what Brian McDermott achieved and how much he won. Richard yeah. Agar was saying when he left, it's like, this is, this is still the best job for anyone to come into you do you think there'll be some big names wanting this job well for, for me and he's a, he's a he's a great mate of mine and and um and someone who i think will make a fantastic head coach but i don't, I don't know whether he, it's his time yet whether he'd be interested in doing it denny Maguire is the one for me you bring denny Maguire and you've got jamie jones weekend and they're blokes who 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 you can't question what they did for Leeds and get if you can get them, you know, JJB and, and Mags working together in, in some kind of role there. I think you keep the, the what Leeds is about and what that what they, they sacrifice. You know, I come in at the end of you know the not the end, but close to, towards the end of their career and and I would have loved to have a few more years, you know, with them earlier just to to get, you know, Mags when he's, you know, his mid twenties and he and he and he was, you know, you know the best, the best six in the running around in the in the world, and and you know, Joe, if you get Jonesy and Mags together, I think you could you could probably do something there. But I don't know whether Mags is at that you know that 
point in his you know career where he would take that on. But they're, they're not going to have any any issue getting another coach. It's just whether whether the coach is willing to come in. And, you know, the issue with a salary cap sport is that that coach might have to wait two years before he can actually bring the players he wants. I'm sure you're not the only one to mention the name of Danny Maguire, but that just strikes me. That would be a huge gamble, both from Gary Hetherington to go for someone who's never been a head coach and for, for is, it, is, it though, is it though George because you think when they but is a club they, great why would you tarnish your reputation as a club great to go well, in to what might Kevin, be an impossible job Kevin, Kevin Sinfield come back he was the, he was the coach for the towards the end of 2018 season along with Jimmy Lowe's and stuff like that but Kev had a big say in what happened there and you see when when someone like those people walk back into the walk back into the club everyone goes oh, they're back they take a breath. They think, oh, and they, they get a bit nostalgic and think about everything that's that they did and how good they, they were and, and all those type of things. I'm not saying Mags would, you know, win him a grand final, but he'll probably get him up a little bit, you know, and, and at the moment it's probably just a confidence thing. You've got Mikolai Oletsky there who was one of the best props in the competition last year and you've got Zane Tedovano who two years ago he's, you know, won a grand final and, and he's been at some fantastic clubs. Matt Pryor, who, who's been over here and performed at a great, a great level. You've got a good core pack of middles there. You've got Aiden Caesar and Blake Austin, who uh, they might not be playing well at the moment, but that doesn't mean they're not world-class players. You know, it's we're, we're six or what, are we five, six games into a, a season. Uh, you know, Rich has lost it, lost the job because obviously, you know, he's the, the one everything falls on, but. It's it's there's still a great a good squad there. It's still a you know on paper that's that squad's as good as any any squad in the competition. You know, and they, the, the fans can say you know oh they're not performing yeah they might not be performing performing but it's a long season and and it ta- it might have, it takes four or five weeks and all of a sudden your season looks a lot different. Mm. You know and that's that's what that's what we're hoping we're hoping in four you know four weeks time we've got another two or three wins and. And you know where our, our, where we are on the table looks a lot different. I'm, I'm sure Leeds and, and teams at the bottom are thinking the same thing. You know, um, but for me, there, there's there's a, obviously a risk for for Magsy going back. Uh, to, to, and I, I don't even know if he'd e- even thought about it. I g him up all the time, and and I, so I sent him a message. I sent him a message uh, earlier saying I'm been telling everyone you took the head coach job at Leeds. So if it happens, you've heard it from me first. All right. Um, <laughs> But there's, there's not, you know, Mags, Mags wants to be a head coach one day. He might not be now. He might not want to do that now. And I know he's really enjoying his role there, working with Smithy at, at KR. They've got a pretty good relationship there. Um, and I know I've seen Tony's name's even been thrown up for, you know, an option there as well. And he's been there and done it and he gets he gets a lot out of his players. So he might be an option too. But I know KR wouldn't be willing to just let him, you know, walk away because they've got big wraps on him. So... It's funny. It's, I was I was at I was at Batley yesterday for for Batley Feathers, and I said to Brian McDermott, I said, I said I said Would you go back, Brian? <laughs> he, he just said Absolutely no way. <laughs> he just laughed. I don't know. He loved that joint, mate. He absolutely loved it there. I know. Yeah, and it was a shame. And a, and a lot of people thought me and Mac didn't have a good relationship, but I had a great relationship with Brian. Um, and it's a it's a shame that what happened to him there. It would have been good to. Even if you just got to see the season out, because for how, for what 
their club, the you know, I'm not saying Mac was the main reason why they won it. So obviously you've got some fantastic players that come through, but he just seemed to to know to give the the blokes who needed leash. He let him have his let him have leash. The blokes he ne- that needed to get pulled in a bit, he reined them in. He had a good he had a good repertoire with you know a lot of people and and I think he probably knew everyone's name from the buddy the groundsman to the, yeah. the you know the the richest bloke in the corporate office. So he's he spent a lot of time there and he had a, a lot of good years. So it would have been good to see him you know get to go out not on his terms but go out on a on a bit of a better better end for him you know. But you know, I know he's probably really enjoying his role there at Featherstone. You know, he's from he's from Wakey, so he's he knows he knows the um, knows the area and knows the knows what's wanted there. So he, and he'll he'll get them firing. He'll get they'll get Featherstone at a good level. So yeah, uh, let's let's spend the last couple of minutes talking about you. Then you're I can tell you're enjoying your life in France. Um, are you settled there for the time being? Are you what you're, you're 32 now? I don't know contractually what what you're at, but you seem pretty settled. Yeah, we, you know, we're really enjoying it here. Obviously, the language was the, the big barrier, um, especially for the kids. But my daughter's she's doing really well. She's speaking at a pretty good level. My young fella, he's he's enjoying it. He's he's only he's only four, turning five soon. So he's um he's enjoying the school and, and all that type of stuff. He's doing his rugby outside of school as well. So my wife, yeah, as you know, my wife's um newly uh newly pregnant she's expecting another baby in September. Yeah, congrats yeah thank you so it'd be pretty it's pretty uh pretty busy time for us um contract wise this is my last year with toulouse um what happened yeah whatever i'm, I'm not real sure what's going on there and that you know that's up to me with how i perform on the field and and all that type of type of stuff um yeah as long as i'm playing at a decent level and still managing to get you know, decent minutes out. I'm hope, I'd hope that there'd still be a, a role for me within, you know, the side. And, and yeah, I guess I'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, and in terms of, you know, your outlook on life as a whole, you've already, I think, quite strongly showed that you have a good work-life balance. You're able to leave rugby at the ground or at the training pitch and, and come home. Yeah. And has that always been your kind of, your, your mindset of, how, you know, yeah. keep, keeping a good, a good positive outlook and balance on life? Yeah, I think uh, I, I didn't de- I didn't debut till I was I think twenty four. So, so you know, I I, I did an apprenticeship. I, I you know rugby wasn't the only thing for me. I loved I loved rugby league, and it's given me a you know a great you know chunk of my life where I've not had to work a real job, and I've got to you know got to play a game, and it's it's you know it's let me spend a lot of time with. Um, with my family, which I, you know, if I was doing a, you know, another type of job, that wouldn't be an option. So I've really, I've never really brought rugby league home with me. Yeah, I'll get upset about results and things like that, but I've never, I've never made it the be all and end all for me. I think the old, the older I've got, the the more I've realised that that's not the most important thing. Um, so, so yeah. I, that's the advice I'd give anyone really coming through to make sure rugby league's not the only thing you've got got going on in your life. Because as soon as you you get injured, it becomes a big. It feels like it is the only thing you've got. You're the first one in, the last one to leave, and it, it can really can really weigh you down. And you know, not everyone gets to have a long career. It can can um it can end pretty quickly. So my advice is to make sure it's not the only thing that that you love. What does make you? Uh, what does make you tick? What puts a smile on your face? What, what gets you out of bed in, in the morning? 
I'll tell you what wakes me up in the morning, the young fella coming in <laughs> at five o'clock ready to go. Um, he's, you know, the, my, my kids are a big driving factor for me. Um, you know, how being, being available to them and, you know, I spend a lot of days where I'm just, you know, telling them to leave me alone because they just want to play all the games. And, and but, you know, I've, I get, I'm, I'm grateful that I get to spend a lot of time with them, especially here, you know, in, in, in France, somewhere completely different than that, you know, most of my friends and family will never get to, to experience. Um, so it's just, you know, we've been very grateful and, and very, very happy that we made the decision to come because it was a big decision. Um, so obviously the language barrier and moving my kids again from a place I was so settled in, in, you know, West Yorkshire, you know, I love, so I love my time there, but what wakes me up of a, of a morning is um, knowing that I've got to get up and, you know, make sure the kids are ready to go. I guess that's, that's it. I don't know what I'm going to do when, when they move out one day. I'll probably stay in bed till two o'clock in the afternoon. But right now, my, you know, my kids are the main and, and the main thing for me and my, make sure my wife and, is happy and, and, you know, she's had a healthy and, you know, enjoyable pregnancy. Uh, and as a very final thought, um, has, has league taught you anything kind of life lessons that, that you've, that has served you well in life or actually for you, has it been the other way around? You know, have you already had things in life that you've been able to bring that have served you well in your job, in the sport? Uh, probably taught me how to deal with disappointment a bit better to, uh, yeah, getting too too deep, but you know, I've I've had a, a good career, but I've also I've been at how many clubs have I been at? One, two, three, four. But this is my sixth club, so you know, I've not been able to stay stay at one club. And you know, every club I've gone to, I feel like I've really thrown myself into to what the club was about, and I've made some great some great um, friends and and. And, you know, I've always got along well with everyone there. I've never burnt bridges at the clubs. And that, that's one thing I think, you know, being able to deal with disappointment and, and not taking it as a personal, personal thing. Because, you know, I've been, I was, I was, I, was, I, would, I wouldn't say devastated, but I was, you know, the, the most upset I've ever been was when I, you know, when I got, when I left Leeds. Um, you know, because having such success and having such, you know, such good, you know, good friendships with people. Um, and my kids, my, my son was born in Leeds. We had a house, you know, in the bright, in the heart of Headingley. We were very much part of, part of, you know, part of Leeds and uh, some great friends there still do. Um, and that, that was probably the saddest, like the, the most disappointed I've been on a, on a visit, like a, like a professional level, because I just felt like, well, you know, that's, I've given as much as I can. Like I, you know, I had injuries at, at the club, but you know, the games, games that I missed was because I couldn't get on the field. You know, I've, I've played chunks of seasons with needing operations for, you know, 16, 16 weeks of a season, putting operations off so I could, could help the team. But sometimes sometimes the fans don't really see that. They just see, you know, the fact that I wasn't out on the field when the team was going, wasn't doing well. I would have loved to have been, been there and helping them. But, yeah, I just the big thing is the uh, not 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 taking it personally, not taking the, the rejection personally and, and moving on from that. And that's what I've tried to, to do. And, you know, even selections wise later on in my career, when, but if I don't get picked, I never, I never whinge about it. I always say that's your, you're the coach. That's your decision. The job's hard enough. You don't need me. You don't need me having a go at you about it. So 
it's um, and that's where I just try and leave it everything, you know, at the training field when I when I come home I can be the best dad and you know partner I can be and that, that's it. I think we could all take a lot from that. That's a good good point to leave it on. Mitch, you've been a you've been a really great guest. I knew you would be. I appreciate your time. Anything for you, mate. You're one of my favourites, you know that. <laughs> uh, Mitch Garber, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.